0: Hey, good evening, and welcome to another week of Bible study fellowship. This week we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. Let me open us in prayer and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that uh, you have revealed yourself, uh, you have revealed yourself as the King. You have revealed yourself as the Lord of creation, and you're helping us understand what it looks like to be your people, your citizens. I pray that tonight, as we come to Matthew chapter 14, you will help us understand what it means to live as people of your kingdom. Amen. So, a couple years ago, I was on a hiking trip in New Mexico, and we were coming to a place. Our destination was an old farmhouse, farm area called ring place and we uh, it was about half a day that we would have had to hike to get there and so as we broke out of the tree line we were in this magnificent alpine prairie there was a, a snow-capped mountain scene in the distance there was a you know a barn and kind of a classic looking farmhouse uh, about half a mile across this prairie and the prairie was filled With uh, alpine wildflowers, and so it was just a magnificent, beautiful place. And uh, you know, instantly, as we as we're progressing towards uh, our destination, everyone has their cameras out, their phones out, and the crew that I was with was taking pictures of this magnificent vista that was in front of us. And as I've gone back and as I've looked at those pictures and as I've shared them with others, I'm like, you know, this is the most beautiful place on earth and i'm showing them a photograph on my phone or you know a photograph that i've sent to them and the the usual response that i get from someone when i show them a photograph is like well it's nice and you know i think that's one of the challenges that we have with a photo is that a photo is something that is like it's like ring place But it only captures one part of it. For me, the the memory of the place is the feel of the sun and the way that the the grass was moving, the way that my backpack felt, and the sense of uh, a destination that we were arriving to. And so there were a lot of uh, things that were happening to me when I was there that the photograph. Just captures one little slice of what it may have looked like, but not the rest of it. And and I think that that's one of the challenge as as Jesus is trying to describe to his disciples and to the crowds, what is the kingdom of heaven like? Uh, it's it, it's difficult. Uh, he's been there. He's seen it. He's experienced it. And it's this magnificent, complicated place. And Jesus is trying to convey what the kingdom is like. And I think also one of the great mysteries of, of the kingdom of heaven is what is the king like? What is it like to live there? Uh, what, will it, what will it be like to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven when that kingdom finally arrives? We get an announcement of the kingdom of heaven at the end of the book of, of Revelation. It's in Revelation 21. A lot of things have happened in the book of Revelation up to this point, but in uh, 21.3, there's a loud voice from the throne that says, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. This is the this is the start, the beginning of the of the official kingdom of heaven. And the challenge is, as as we've heard John the Baptist and Jesus proclaim, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And and what is it like? What does it look like? And we've heard about paral, par, parables. We've heard teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. There's a lot of information that we've been trying to absorb to this point in Matthew about what does it look like? What is it? What is a picture? Of the kingdom of heaven, going to look like to help us get a, a glimpse, a sense of what is the reality of that kingdom. What is it going to look like for us to dwell with God? Uh, what is it going to look like for us to be citizens of God's kingdom? Um, and I think that as we look at Matthew chapter fourteen, we're going to get a better picture of what of what it felt like, at least for the disciples as they began to experience a much more detailed revelation of who Jesus was and what it looked like to be a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. And I think that's our broad aim for Matthew 14 this week is uh, we're going to learn what it's like to be in, to be citizens of, the kingdom of heaven. We're going to look at Matthew 14 in four different parts. First of all, we're going to look at 14, 1 through 12, uh, the information about John the Baptist, that this is a kingdom that's worth dying for. We're going to then look at uh, Jesus's miracle of feeding the 5,000, and uh, we're going to begin to understand that this kingdom is a kingdom of compassion. And then we're going to finally look at Jesus' miracle of walking on the water and understand that the kingdom of heaven is going to be ruled by the one who is master of all creation. So three different things we're going to look at tonight. We have a lot to cover. Let's go ahead and get started. First of all, Matthew 14, 1 through 12, we're looking at the death of John the Baptist. It's a bit of a flashback, but we start off with Herod. Herod's beginning to hear about Jesus's popularity. At that time, 14 verse 1, Herod was the tetrarch. Herod the tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus and he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has been raised From the dead. Herod the Great was the uh, ruler who was alive at the time of Jesus' birth. And so the, the one who sent the people into Bethlehem, that was Herod the Great. His kingdom was split into three parts. It was given to his three sons. One of them was known as Herod Antipas, one of them was known as Herod the Tetrarch, and the other son was known as Philip. And if we think about uh, this Herod, Herod the Tetrarch, if we think about the nature of his kingdom, uh, what does his kingdom look like? Well, as we look at the passage, his kingdom is one that is characterized by fear. Uh, He was afraid. Herod lived as one who was afraid. He was afraid of John the Baptist. He was afraid of Jesus. He was afraid of Herodias, his wife. He was afraid of the people whom he ruled. He was afraid of embarrassment, perhaps at the hand of people in his court. And so much of what Herod does as he rules and as he lives out his life is born out of fear. Fear of men. Fear of other people. Herod what was someone who was afraid? The other thing that seems to run through this narrative is that Herod's kingdom is a kingdom of see and take. I see it, I want it, I take it." Herod saw Herodias, his brother's wife, and he took her. Herodias saw a way to have John killed, and he took she took it. And so this is a kingdom of, of self-seeking, but it's also a kingdom that is ruled by fear. And in contrast, if we look at John as a, as, as a citizen of the heavenly kingdom, John had a very different motivation. Uh, first of all, John had a rebuke of Herod for taking Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and that rebuke was based upon the truth of God's law. Uh, John, wasn't, John wasn't self-motivated. Uh, John wasn't thinking that this would benefit himself by breaking apart this marriage or by rebuking it. Uh, John was instead speaking the truth of God's law. John lived a life that was largely without fear. John was not afraid of what Herod would do to him because John stood on the side of God's law. Uh, he wasn't worried about the opinion that, the, that Herodias or that the court, that Herod's court would have towards him. John knew that there was a higher ruler, a higher power, namely God himself. And John was looking forward to the city, a city, the city whose foundations, whose designer, and whose builder is God. Uh, John was willing to stand on God's law because he had faith of things that he saw even far off, even to him, he died in faith, having not received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, acknowledging that he was a stranger and an exile on this earth. John had a desire for a better kingdom than Herod's, a better ruler than Herod, a heavenly one who would be ruled by God himself. And, and John kept his focus on that, uh, even as he was imprisoned, even as his life was in danger, uh, John kept his focus on the kingdom that was yet invisible, but would be coming very real, uh, certainly by the time we get to the end of the book of Revelation uh, we can see ultimately, we know that John was put to death. We can see that the reasons that 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 happened were manipulation self service self seeking Herodias wanted John killed, and she found a way to see it and take it. Ultimately, Herod gave in uh, out of a sense of potential embarrassment in front of his court in front of his uh, other powerful people. We see john 's disciples coming to Jesus, perhaps hoping that Jesus would would bring John back to life or that he would restore him to life on this earth. Uh, But we see Jesus mourning John's earthly death, but willing to allow John to enter his true home, his true heavenly home with God. The principle for this first section is that citizens of God's kingdom are strangers in this world. Citizens of God's kingdom are strangers in this world. My family has done a couple of 5Ks together. And one of the things that you get a lot of times in all the 5Ks that I've done, which is not very many, is you get a shirt. Uh, And so we we as a family have all these shirts that, that look identical, but are sized differently. So one morning I get up, and I grab my Grand Rapids turkey trot shirt and I, I head out to work and I have it on and you know during the day I'm noticing like you know man my my overhead movement just really restricted and I have this subtle but yet generalized sense of of just being squeezed and so I'm, I'm obviously I'm not wearing my Grand Rapids turkey trot shirt I'm wearing somebody else's that's smaller. And uh, when you wear a a shirt that's two sizes small, you know, it doesn't quite feel right. You don't feel right moving. You don't feel right going throughout the day. And I think this is much the sense of the idea of what does it feel like to be a stranger in this world? You know, the patterns of this world and the ways of this world are never going to feel right to someone who belongs to God's kingdom. We are never going to be at home in a world that is ruled by selfish desire, by fear, uh, because, because as strangers in this world, we are desiring the kingdom that is coming, that is ruled by God. Perhaps you've experienced uh, some of the isolation and loneliness that John surely felt as he was imprisoned because you've stood fast by Christ. Perhaps there have been friends, relationships, job opportunities, situations in your family that you've had to walk away from or that you've had to damage or destroy uh, for the, because you know that they were wrong. And for the sake of Jesus, you have to go a different direction. Certainly, I think of John in prison, and I know that there probably were times when he was tempted to just be like, you know what? I take it all back. Herod, Herodias, you're all good. Uh, no problem. Let's just wrap this thing up so like I can get out of here. And I'm sure that John was tempted at times uh, to c- sort of conform to the pattern of this world, and I wonder if you've been there as well. Uh, if there have been times in your journey with the Lord when you've been tempted to to sort of try to put on uh, the worldly garb, uh, to put on uh, some of the selfishness and some of the other things that drive our culture today, uh, and I wonder as as those things have have uh, been on you, like my tight T-shirt, if you realize like it doesn't feel right. This this doesn't feel like the way that I'm called to live as a follower of Jesus. I think in those moments of temptation, the question for for you and for me is what are we going to do? What do we do when those moments of temptations come? I think to remember what John did, you know, John went to Jesus. John sent his disciples to Jesus and he was like, are you the one that we should expect Or is there somebody else? You know, John took his concern and his fears of his situation, his frustration with being imprisoned. He got word to Jesus. um, And and I think that gave John the stalwartness, the perseverance to stay and be true uh, to his citizenship in heaven. Let's take a look at the miracle of feeding the 5,000, verses 13 through 23. Uh, The kingdom of heaven is going to be one that is filled with compassion. Jesus had heard about John's murder, and I felt like or I thought that maybe he and his disciples were going to go to a quiet place to mourn and to also have some time of private teaching. Jesus was going to maybe explain some parables or offer some other information to the disciples uh, at, at this pivotal time in his ministry, when John has now passed away, and they depart by boat, but yet the crowds are able to keep up with the boat by walking around the sea of galilee they're they 're not they 're not crossing the atlantic right there's a way that you can get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee but just walking around and so even though the goal of Jesus and the disciples was to depart and escape the crowds, the same crowd is there when they get to the other side of the lake. And, and Jesus's response uh, is not rebuke or frustration, but instead it's compassion. Uh, we can see that he had compassion on them, verse 14, and healed their sick. Now, the disciples began to be ready for this alone time with Jesus, for the time for parables to be explained. And they asked for the crowd to be sent away. You know, it's getting late, it's time for dinner. We don't have a whole lot of food with us. And this is where Jesus begins to challenge the disciples about what is their role as disciples. What is it that that they are called to do as they follow Jesus? And Jesus challenges them to say, they don't need to go away, but you give them something to eat. And so the disciples take stock of what they have. And not only do they not have enough food for the crowd, five loaves and two fish, They didn't have enough food for 13 guys, right? 12 disciples and Jesus. They don't have enough food for themselves. And as we look at the way this miracle unfolds, uh, the disciples did give the crowd something to eat. They were the distributors of the source. The source was Jesus. Jesus was the source of the food, the miraculous Uh, transformation of five loaves and two fish into enough food to feed a crowd of 5,000 men besides women and children. Um, this, This pattern of distributing what Jesus has given is going to be what the disciples' work would look like after Jesus was ascended into heaven, uh, the book of the book that Matthew wrote that we're reading was this this notion of taking the teaching, taking the parables, taking the life and the example of Jesus and giving it to others was what the disciples were going to spend the rest of their lives doing. In a practical way, they were they were distributing food for the crowd of five thousand. But in a very real way, the rest of their lives were going to be characterized by taking from the source, taking the things that Jesus had provided and and distributing them out to the crowd. The crowd loves it. Uh, The crowd loves the fact that Jesus has provided so acutely for their physical needs, not only in healing, but also in food. And the crowd, as as they've heard Jesus' teaching about the kingdom of heaven, they're like, yes! We saw this as we read in the Gospel of John uh, this week in our lesson. The crowd wanted to take Jesus and make him king. Bring the kingdom now. They wanted the earthly reign of Jesus to be inaugurated, if need be, by human force. Uh, that is not what the plan is or, or 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 was for the kingdom of heaven to be brought about in this world. There is a plan that God has, and it does not involve a coup d'etat of the Roman Empire or an overthrow of Herod uh, or whatever else the crowd might have intended. Uh, and so Jesus disperses the crowd, sends the disciples away, and he goes up onto a hillside to pray. But the principle for this section is that the citizens of God's kingdom work to distribute what Jesus provides. The citizens of God's kingdom work to distribute what Jesus provides. My house, it's just over there off camera, has a circuit panel and in that panel there's a bunch of circuit breakers, but at the very top is where the power comes in from amrin u e we get our we get our power that comes into our home, and then the rest of the panel is all these circuit breakers and then wires that go out to all of the electrical outlets and lights in my home. Those circuit breakers and wires don 't make electricity, but they distribute it they deliver it so that the reason that the camera records and the lights on and and uh that, that we can have you know heat and air conditioning in my home is because the the electrical panel delivers the electricity to all the places that it is needed, and friends, that is the role of disciples of jesus we 're not contributing uh, to him. we have nothing to really offer Jesus, but we can take what he has taught us, we can take what he has given us, we can take what he has provided through his word, and we can deliver it to other people. What part of his house has Jesus asked you and me to distribute to? Who are the people that you can show compassion to? Who are the sick that might need you to pray for them or to anoint them with oil? Who are the people that need to hear the words of the gospel from you? And, you know, perhaps as you've done that, as you've been that distributor, as you've taken what Jesus gives you and you've put it out uh, into your community or into the world around you, people have rejected that message. People have said, I'm not interested. and, And maybe not only have they said, I'm not interested, but perhaps there's been hostility directed back to you. And you know, sometimes when, when that's happened to me, and maybe you've had this happen as well, like when, when, when people push back, you know what I want to do? I want to pop my circuit breaker off. I just want to be done. You know, it, it's like, you know what? I want to be done distributing. I, I just, I don't want to have to do this anymore. I want to stop delivering. Friends, the disciples faced many hardships as they were called to distribute the news about Jesus. And what we need to remind ourselves of is in in face of human resistance and rejection, our job is to continue to deliver uh, from the source, to continue to deliver what Jesus has provided to those around us, to those that are near us. So as we move into the third section, uh, the miracle of Jesus walking on the water in verses 24 through 36 in Matthew, uh, we're going to be thinking about a kingdom that is ruled by God himself. So most of the night so far, Jesus has been spending in prayer with God. Uh, After he had dismissed the crowds, verse 23, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, he was alone. And so Jesus has been praying. He spent most of the night in prayer with with the Lord. Uh, The disciples, meanwhile, verse 24, the boat was a long way from land, beaten by the waves. The wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus walks out on water to the boat. So the fourth watch of the night was the last watch of the Roman night. It's like military time, right? Like if you were to say like, you know, it's 0200, like we kind of have this military time thing that we do here uh, the fourth watch was a military phrase. It would have been the the last watch from three a.m. to six a.m. So the, then it begins the, the day watches. The more the day is begun at six a.m. And the disciples had been trying to get across this five mile lake for the last nine hours, and the wind and the waves were winning. Their strength was probably failing, uh, and and they were concerned that you know nature and the storm. We're going to take not only their boat, but possibly their lives. And, and keep in mind where the disciples had just been, they had just been witnesses to this great miracle of Jesus uh, being able to produce something, you know, bread and fish, essentially out of nothing. Even though he had five loaves and two fish, uh, Jesus was able to miraculously increase that. He made food out of nothing. And now we see Jesus walking on the surface of the water, out to the disciples and you know, friends, I have no idea what this would look like. We have no framework to understand this miracle. Uh, it's truly miraculous. It's supernatural. You know, I've no. You know, where there where there up uphills and downhills as Jesus was walking because he was going up and down the waves. You know, do your feet get wet when you walk on the water? I, you know, we just have no basis to even know what this was like. But Jesus came out and the disciples didn't know what to do with this either. They had a variety of responses. They thought it was a ghost. They were terrified. They didn't know what to do. Um, and then Jesus speaks to them and these words are 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 truly uh, unique and, and interesting as it reveals the reality of who Jesus is. He says to the disciples, Take heart, it is I. Uh, perhaps a better translation of that would be uh, rather than it is I I am uh, this was the name that God used to identify himself originally to Moses from the burning bush uh, you know when when Moses says, "How are the how am I supposed to tell you or tell the Israelites like who you are Jesus says, "Tell them I am has sent you and that's the in Hebrew we would think of that name as being Yahweh. Uh, but it is the covenantal name of God. Jesus is identifying himself as the one who created the wind and the waves and the water uh, and and Peter responds with uh, great boldness or you know as he sees the Lord he says lord if it 's really you, command me to come out and Peter is able to walk out we don 't know how many steps he took or how far he went. But uh, Peter is able to walk on the water towards the Lord, not because of Peter. There wasn't something about Peter that he was able to suddenly, like, he'd been trying to walk on water his whole life, and now tonight he nailed it. It it wasn't anything like that, uh, but it was because of Christ in Peter. Peter's faith in Christ, uh, his focus on Christ, had, had allowed him to accomplish something that he would not normally be able to do. And I think that's the principle uh for this section. You know, Peter Peter's faith faltered, you know, I think he realized like this is crazy. Uh but the principle for this section is that God is present within his people. God is present within his people. Uh one of the songs uh that's 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 in the, the realm of contemporary Christian music is a song called Yet Not I, but Christ Through Me. Uh, some of the refrains or some parts of the song go, oh, oh, how strange and divine. I can sing, all is mine. Oh, the night has been won and I shall overcome. Oh, the chains are released. I can sing, I am free. And the next line in all those cases is, Yet not I, but Christ through me. And, and I think that Peter got a sense of that as he was walking on the water. Uh, he was experiencing the power of Christ manifest in his life although we are never going to see the disciples these 12 apostles walk on water again we are going to see them accomplish much and we do not want to attribute it to their own gifts abilities uh, or 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 talents but instead we know that the power of the holy spirit was working through these men and they were accomplishing great things yet not i but Christ through me. So the question uh, as we come to the close tonight is, what is Jesus working to accomplish in you? What are some of the ways that the Lord of the universe has been working on you, convicting you of sin, giving you more understanding of what his kingdom is, is like, helping you understand that he is a loving father who desires good for you. What are some ways that you've seen the Lord working in you? Another question to think about is what is Jesus working to accomplish through you? What are the ways that that he wants to to work through you out into the world that you're a part of, uh, into your neighborhood, into your families, uh, into your friends? What are some of the ways that you've seen Jesus moving to accomplish things in other people through you? And sometimes I can be resistant to the things that God wants to do either in me or through me. And so sometimes I feel like God is getting stuff done in spite of me. Um, uh, I'm I'm, I'm resistant to the things that God wants to do. I'm opposed to his plan. But yet God is going to accomplish his work in spite uh, of what I might try to do uh, to stop him. I began earlier tonight in the, in the intro talking about this place in New Mexico called Ring Place. And one of the things that I've done, you know, within my family members who haven't been to Ring Place, as we've, as we've been somewhere that's majestic or beautiful, you know, I, I try to come up with uh, additional similes, right? We're looking out at some place that's beautiful and majestic, and I'm like, you know, this is like Ring Place. Uh, this, this vista or the beauty or the wind or something is like ring place. So I'm always trying to help them, you know, like I, the, the photo by itself on my phone doesn't always work. And so I'm like, okay, this is a little bit like it or or this is a little bit like it or, you know, the way that, that this feels or that this smells or imagine this. Wild. Like I, I'm trying to come up with other metaphors, other other ways to give them more information to understand this beautiful place that I've been to. And I think that's one of the things that we want to allow God's word to do to us as we study it, is that God's word is is trying to help us with all these different examples, all these different pictures of what is the kingdom of heaven like. Are we willing to keep listening to God to better understand what his kingdom and his rule will look like in our lives? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the promise of uh, the kingdom of heaven. Lord, thank you that uh, there isn't a cost to us Uh, There isn't something that we need to do, but you offer it freely uh, through belief in your Son. Lord, thank you for the high price that Jesus paid to open the gates of heaven to us. And Lord, I pray uh, that we'd be willing to listen to you and to accept uh, your kingdom and your rule in our lives. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.